You're listening to L-Town Radio, the Livingston Library Podcast. There's practically no limit to what you can learn and see when you belong to the Livingston Library. From science and technology to grants and genealogy, our library is virtually an information galaxy. This library is yours and this library is mine. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to L-Town Radio, the Livingston Public Library podcast. I hope your 2022 is off to a wonderful start. My name is Joe. As always, I'm the host of the show, and I'm one of the librarians here in the Adult Services and Acquisitions Department. Coming up later in the show, Archana will come by to tell us about some of the programs on our January calendar. Hongmei will be by, as usual, to share a very special song. And the podcast crew will talk about some of the books and films and shows that we are especially excited for coming in 2022. But first, I'd like to get back in the past, specifically get back with the Beatles, uh, one of the most famous, if not the most famous musical act of all time, and certainly one of my all-time favorites. Now, this past Thanksgiving weekend, uh, saw the premiere of Get Back, which was the uh, documentary series from filmmaker Peter Jackson, of course, of Lord of the Rings fame. Um, his eight-hour series called from something like 150 hours of footage that was recorded of the Beatles back in January of 1969. This was as they were um, writing, rehearsing, and recording music that we, they were preparing to put on for a live concert that would consist of all new music. Um, Now, if you love the Beatles enough to wonder what it would have been like to hang out with them at that time as they were coming up with many of the classic songs that would later appear on the albums Abbey Road and Let It Be, it is a must-watch. Between the cinema verite style combined with the high-definition restored video and audio, it is so immersive, it it can be easy to forget that you're not actually in the studio with the band. Um, there are some tense moments, to be sure. Particularly, there's that famous episode where George Harrison temporarily quit the band because he was frustrated that Paul was micromanaging him and and the band wasn't allowing him to record uh, a lot of his own original songs. But um, that... That blows over fairly quickly early in the series, and overall the vibe is irresistibly fun. The band is clearly having a good time, and while I've certainly never been in a band as successful or talented as the Beatles, I've been in a few bands, and it it definitely captures that spirit of, you know, being together with musicians that you're really vibing with and, and, and just being creative and having a good time. Uh... Yes, it is very long. As I mentioned, it is over eight hours, but, you know, it's not the kind of thing you need to focus on for every single minute. You know, admittedly, for some stretches, 
I just had it on in the background as I was scrolling through my phone or playing with my daughter. Um, by the way, she, my daughter, was, uh, who's 11 months old now, uh, was especially fascinated every time uh, the band started playing Let It Be. So since then, I've taken to singing it to her as a lullaby, and it, it really does seem to soothe her. Anyway, um, for the most part, even though, you know, I, I didn't concentrate on every single second, for the most part, I thought it was fascinating. And at some points, I even grabbed my guitar and strummed along with the band as they were working through songs like Don't Let Me Down and, of course, Get Back, the title song. Um, and then by the end, uh, we get to see what it's been building up towards. Um the, their, the band's final public performance on the rooftop of Apple Corp's headquarters. And just seeing that entire concert, especially um, with the seven and a half hours preceding it, all the hard work and turmoil that's, that's gone into this show, it really is a truly magical experience. So for now, the Beatles Get Back documentary series is only available to stream on Disney+. Plus. It's not on any other platform or on cable or on DVD. But if you are not currently a subscriber to Disney+, Plus, you're in luck because the Livingston Public Library is. And if you borrow one of the Roku's from our library of things, that is if you go to our website, livingstonlibrary.org, under our services menu, click on library of things, there you can reserve a Roku box, which will allow you to watch the Beatles get back as well as the many other great programs available on Disney+. Plus. Um, then, after you've watched all eight hours of Get Back, if you're still hungry for more fabulous Beatles content, then you can check out even more great Beatles content with your Livingston Library card. Um, there's a new book, The Beatles Get Back, which is basically the print version of the documentary series. Um, telling the story of the January 1969 recording sessions, um, but it transcribes everything that's in the movie and has hundreds of great color photographs. Uh, there's also a book that's part of the wonderful 33 and a Third book series, which each book uh, focuses on a classic album. There is an edition on the Let It Be album. It's written by Steve Matteo. And it's uh, an in-depth look at the creative and chaotic period that's depicted in Get Back. Um, and as well as the Let It Be album that would end up being the band's final album. Uh, now this book you will you cannot find in our catalog. It's available exclusively in our indie collection, which you can find on display by our circulation desk, along with a dozen or so other great books in the 33 and a third series. Uh, there's many other great books on the Beatles. There are biographies slash autobiographies by all the members of the band, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. There's uh, a book called Solid State, The Story of Abbey Road and the End of the Beatles by Kenneth Womack. That book examines the iconic Abbey Road album and how the cutting-edge technology used in its recording created a masterpiece that still sounds ahead of its time over 50 years later. Uh, we have the complete DVD series of the Beatles Anthology. Um, 
That is an 11 and a half hour documentary from 1995 that revisits the band's entire groundbreaking decade-long career. Uh, it's also uh, very special to me because uh, that came out when I was a teenager. I remember it was on ABC, I believe, around Thanksgiving of 1995. And though I had certainly heard plenty of Beatles music before that time, watching that series is really what converted me to become a lifelong fan of the band. Uh, we also have the Beatles Ultimate DVD Collection. It's a four-DVD set that contains the films Help, A Hard Day's Night, and Magical Mystery Tour, plus a DVD of footage from the band's first U.S. tour in 1964. And that is just a taste of all the great Beatles books and DVDs that you can check out here at the Livingston Library. Of course, you can get so much more than just books and DVDs from the Livingston Public Library. We also have, as usual, so many great programs to offer, both virtually and in person. And here to tell us about some of the programs coming up on our January calendar, here's Archana. Hi, wishing all the podcast listeners a happy and healthy 2022. The library opens 2022 with a great mix of virtual and in-person programs for our adult patrons. Now, if decluttering and organizing have always been on your to-do list, especially for a new year, but you have not been motivated enough to get started, we have the right program for you. Let 2022 be the year you keep your resolution to be more organized. On the evening of January 10th at 7 p.m., join us virtually for 10 tiny organizing tasks for a clutter-free new year with laugh-out-loud organizing humorist and author of Keep This, Toss That, Jamie Novak. Jamie will share the top 10 tiny must-do tasks to take on this month. She will help you ensure a clutter-free 2022 by creating your own 10-point tidy-up list and jumpstart your decluttering as she guides you through your first mini-task live during the program. You will log off with some must-known tips and a list of useful resources. We are living in times of high stress, anxiety and fatigue. So for some levity and laughter, join us on the evening of January 24th at 7pm for a program entitled Make Them Laugh, a history of movie comedy from Charlie Chaplin to Mel Brooks. In this fun-filled virtual presentation, lecturer Brian Rose will look at the major highlights of screen comedy over the last 125 years, illustrated with more than 40 examples from Hollywood's funniest films. We close out the month with an in-person program highlighting the New York City High Line, which is only 1.45 miles long, but is packed with history, old and new. Take a walk on the High Line with Mario Medici, a mature photographer and historian, and discover how it was transformed from a historic elevated freight rail to one of New York City's most popular parks. Check out the new architecture, the gigantic skyscrapers built over train tracks, the centuries-old ice building, shopping centers, new sculpture art, and yes, even where the Oreo cookie was discovered. Mario's presentation includes visits to the recently opened Little Island Pier 55 and a look down from the edge, the observation desk above, deck above Manhattan. Now, whether you're planning a visit to the High Line or just curious to see what it has to offer, this presentation is not to be missed. And do check out our library calendar for our other adult programs for the month. Thank you very much.
And thank you, Archana. Speaking of programs, I have a program of my own that I'd like to tell you about for a minute. It's the next meeting of our Unstuck in Time book club, which is one of the virtual book clubs we have here at the Livingston Library. Our next meeting is going to be held on Zoom on Tuesday, January 25th from 7 to 8 p.m. And the subject of that meeting is going to be Colson Whitehead's 2016 novel, The Underground Railroad. Now, of course, this novel is very acclaimed. It won the Pulitzer Prize as well as the National Book Award. And last year it was adapted into a miniseries on Amazon Prime that was also critically acclaimed. And it was directed by Barry Jenkins of the Oscar-winning film Moonlight. So I'm very excited to read and discuss this book and then eventually watch the series once I've read the book. And uh, just to give you an idea of what it's about, I'll read for you the copy on the inside book jacket. Cora is a slave on a cotton plantation in Georgia. Life is hell for all the slaves, but especially bad for Cora, an outcast even among her fellow Africans. She is coming into womanhood, where even greater pain awaits. When Caesar, a recent arrival from Virginia, tells her about the Underground Railroad, they decide to take a terrifying risk and escape. Matters do not go as planned. Cora kills a young white boy who tries to capture her. Though they manage to find a station and head north, they are being hunted. In Whitehead's ingenious conception, the Underground Railroad is no mere metaphor. Engineers and conductors operate a secret network of tracks and tunnels beneath the southern soil. Cora and Caesar's first stop is South Carolina, in a city that initially seems like a haven, but the city's placid surface masks an insidious scheme designed for its black denizens. And even worse, Ridgeway, the relentless slave catcher, is close on their heels. Forced to flee again, Cora embarks on a harrowing flight, state by state, seeking true freedom. Like the protagonist of Gulliver's Travels, Cora encounters different worlds at each stage of her journey. Hers is an odyssey through time as well as space. As Whitehead brilliantly recreates the unique terrors for black people in the pre-Civil War era, his narrative seamlessly weaves the saga of America from the brutal importation of Africans to the unfulfilled promises of the present day. The Underground Railroad is at once a kinetic adventure tale of one woman's ferocious will to escape the horrors of bondage and a shattering, powerful meditation on the history we all share. As you can tell, I think it is going to be a great choice for our Unstuck in Time book club, and I hope you'll join us for the discussion again on Tuesday, January 25th, between 7 and 8 p.m. And again, it is on Zoom, so be sure you register in order to get the Zoom link. You can register by clicking on the events calendar page through our website, livingstonlibrary.org. Well, we're at about the halfway point in our episode, which means it's time once again for a visit from Hong Mei, who's going to share a very special song. Hong Mei. Have you made your New Year's resolutions for 2022? Have you thought of adding some new and different resolutions to your traditional New Year's list? Today, I'm going to bring you a song called New Year's Resolution, 
sung by Red and Link. They are an American duo, most known for their comedic YouTube channel, Good Mythical Morning. I hope this song can put you in the spirit of New Year's, and bring you more thoughts about New Year's resolutions. Happy New Year! I wish you good health, good wealth, and much happiness. Delightful. Thank you for sharing that, Hongmei. And I can't wait to hear the rest of the song.、Um, so yes, it is New Year's time, and that means we have a whole year of new books and movies and shows and all other wonderful things to look forward to. So with that in mind, I thought I would ask the crew what they are looking forward to reading or watching or hearing in 2022. And here's what they had to say, starting with Jessica. With the start of the new year comes new books, and I am super excited for it. Here are some 2022 book releases that I can't wait to read, and that I know you won't be able to wait to read either. The Last House on the Street by Diane Chamberlain, January 11th, 2022. Told from the perspectives of two generations, 1965 and 2010, two women find themselves bound by a tragedy and a decades-old mystery. Find Me by Alfred Burke, January eleventh, twenty twenty-two. Hope Miller has no idea who she is. Fifteen years ago, she was found thrown from her vehicle in a small New Jersey town with no recollection of her identity. Reminders of Him by Colleen Hoover, January eighteenth, twenty twenty-two. You can't go wrong with a Colleen Hoover read, and I have been known to read her novels from cover to cover in one sitting. Her latest release is sure to be a page turner. After serving four years in prison, Kenna returns home in the hopes of being reunited with their, her four-year-old daughter. Everyone in her daughter's life has shut Kenna out except for Ledger, a local bar owner and the last remaining link to her daughter. Violetta, by Isabel Allende, January twenty-fifth, twenty twenty-two. Born into a family of five boys, the nineteen eighteen influenza hits Violetta's South American home. This story carries Violetta 100 years later as the new pandemic wreaks havoc on the world. We have so many books hitting our shelves this new year. Be sure to stop by the library and check them out. We can't wait to see you here. Bye. Thanks so much, Jessica. And up next for her choices, once again, here's Archana. Hi, this is Archana, and I'm excited to share with you a couple of shows that I'm looking forward to in 2022. I'm so happy that the fourth season of the fabulous Emmy-winning series, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, will be here. Of course, starring Rachel Brosnahan as Midge Maisel, the titular and charmingly hilarious 1950s housewife turned stand-up comedian. Season three saw Midge going on her first big tour, opening up for singer Shy Baldwin. It was a big step for her career. 
but it also involved huge shifts in her life after Shai kicked Midge off the tour in the finale. I'm very excited to see how her character and career grows and how the story progresses for the rest of the characters as well. The first-rate acting, the costumes, the witty, fast-paced dialogues, themes of female empowerment and family ties, the remarkable characters, the atmosphere and setting all make the show one not to be missed. Look out for the first two episodes of the new season on Prime Video on Friday, February 18th, followed by two episodes every Friday until the season four finale airs on March 11th. Another show whose next installment I'm looking forward to is Netflix's critically acclaimed crime thriller, Ozark, that takes place in the heart of the Missouri Ozarks and follows the seemingly normal Bird family's personal and professional dramas. Except that the dramas which play out in Ozark aren't exactly normal. The birds have been uprooted from their home and relocated to the Ozarks by the head of the family, Marty, played by Jason Bateman, who's a husband, father and financial advisor. Marty is also a money launderer for one of the biggest drug cartels in Mexico. Now resettled in a resort community, nestled deep in Missouri's lake region, and always hopeful for the day when they can leave the place, the Bird family find themselves wrapped up with the local small-town crime syndicates. And the longer they stay in the Ozarks, the deeper they sink into a life of crime. The fourth and the final season is slated to release on January 21st. Season 3 left audiences with lots of questions. Hopefully, it will answer the most important question of all, which is, will the Bird family ever be able to escape the clutches of the Ozarks? According to the official synopsis, Marty and Wendy are rid of Helen and climb to the top of Navarro's empire. They find another opportunity to get out of the Ozarks, but some past sins won't stay buried, and the most dangerous threats come from blood. I can't wait to watch. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks so much, Archana. As for me, there are a few books I'm really looking forward to coming out in 2022. One is called Teenager by Bud Smith. It's coming out in May of this year. I've been a big fan of Bud Smith's for years now. We currently have his book F-250 here in our indie collection, and he's actually kind of a local writer. He was born and raised in New Jersey, currently lives in Jersey City. But his next book, Teenager, is his major label debut, so to speak. It'll be published by Penguin Random House, and here's their synopsis of the book. Two teenagers in love and insane journey across the United States in this Bonnie and Clyde-like adventure, pursuing a warped American dream, where Elvis is still king and the corndog is the backbone of this great country. Cody Raleigh Green is stuck in juvie. Tella Teal Cartwheels Carticelli is packing her bags for Rome on the orders of her parents, who want her as far from Cody as possible. But teenage love is too strong a force are the obstacles of reality, and the highway beckons. Leaving their abusive pasts behind them in Jersey, Cody and Teal set off on a cross-country road trip equal parts self-destruction and self-discovery, making their way, one stolen car at a time, toward bigger, wider, bluer skies. Along the road, of course, there's time to stop at Graceland, classic diners, a fairgrounds that smells of pony poop and kettle corn, and time for run-ins with outsized personalities, like the reincarnated Grand Canyon tour guide Dead Bob and the spurious Mount Montana rancher Bill Gold. 
On their heels, all the while, is Teal's brother, Neil Carticelli, who's abandoned his post in the Navy to rescue the sister he left behind. But does she really need saving? Now, I was fortunate to read an early draft of this book a few years ago, and I was totally blown away by it. I'm excited to see how Bud has revised it, and even if it's exactly the same, I'd be excited to read it all over again anyway. Plus, I'm just really happy to see Bud reach a wider audience, because I'm sure folks all over America will love his writing too. The second book I'm psyched for this year is Jennifer Egan's The Candy House, which is coming from Simon & Schuster in April. It's described as a sibling novel to Egan's book, A Visit from the Goon Squad, which won the 2011 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. I read that one about 10 years ago, and it's a book I still think about often. Uh, I thought it was really inventive, how it connected all its short story-like chapters into a cohesive novel. Uh, with profound ideas about how we grow up, both as individuals and as a culture. Uh, Here's what the publisher has to say about the book. The Candy House opens with the staggeringly brilliant Bix Bootin, whose company, Mandala, is so successful that he is, quote, one of the tech demigods with whom we're all on a first-name basis. Bix is 40, with four kids, restless, desperate for a new idea, when he stumbles into a conversation group, mostly Columbia professors, one of whom is experimenting with downloading or externalizing memory. It's 2010. Within a decade, Bix's new technology, Own Your Unconscious, that allows you to access every memory you've ever had and to share every memory in exchange for access to the memories of others, has seduced multitudes. But not everyone. In spellbinding, interlocking narratives, Egan spins out the consequences of Own Your Unconscious through the lives of multiple characters whose paths intersect over several decades. Intellectually dazzling, The Candy House is also extraordinarily moving, a testament to the tenacity and transcendence of human longing for real connection, love, family, privacy, and redemption. In the words, in the world, Of Egan's spectacular imagination, there are counters who track and exploit desires, and there are eluders, those who understand the price of taking a bite of the candy house. Egan introduces these characters in an astonishing array of narrative styles, from omniscient to first-person plural, to a duet of voices, an epistolary chapter, and a chapter of tweets. If A Visit from the Goon Squad was organized like a concept album, the candy house incorporates electronic dance music's more disjunctive approach. The parts are titled Build, Break, Drop. With an emphasis on gaming, portals, and alternate worlds, its structure also suggests the experience of moving among dimensions in a role-playing game. I don't know about you, but that sounds fascinating to me. Uh, Finally, the Third book I'm most looking forward to this year is a nonfiction book called The 90s by Chuck Klosterman. I have read just about every word that Chuck Klosterman has ever published. He's written some of my favorite books of the past 20 years, like But What If We Are Wrong, Raised in Captivity, Eating the Dinosaur, and Fargo Rock City. He writes about pop culture in such an insightful and philosophical way that sends me down fascinating rabbit holes of thought and truly makes me see the world in refreshingly new ways. 
As you may know, I came of age in the 90s, so most of my favorite music and movies and TV shows and books all came from that decade, and I think there's no better person to write about that decade than Chuck Klosterman. Here's what the publisher has to say about his next book. A wise and funny reckoning with the decade that gave us slacker grunge irony about the sin of trying too hard. During the greatest shift in human consciousness of any decade in American history. It was long ago, but not as long as it seems. The Berlin Wall fell and the Twin Towers collapsed. In between, one presidential election was allegedly decided by Ross Perot, while another was plausibly decided by Ralph Nader. In the beginning, almost every name and address was listed in a phone book, and everyone answered their landlines because you didn't know who it was. By the end, exposing someone's address was an act of emotional violence, and nobody picked up their new cell phone if they didn't know who it was. The 90s brought back about a revolution in the human condition we're still groping to understand. Happily, Chuck Klosterman is more than up to the job. Beyond epiphenomena like Cop Killer and Titanic and Zima, there were wholesale shifts in how society was perceived, the rise of the internet, pre-9-11 politics, and the paradoxical belief that nothing was more humiliating than trying too hard. Pop culture accelerated without the aid of a machine that remembered everything, generating an odd comfort in never being certain about anything. On a 90s Thursday night, more people watched any random episode of Seinfeld than the finale of Game of Thrones, but nobody thought that was important. If you missed it, you simply missed it. It was the last era that held the idea of a true hegemonic mainstream before it all began to fracture, whether you found a home in it or defined yourself against it. In the 90s, Chuck Klosterman makes a home in all of it. The film, the music, the sports, the TV, the politics, the changes regarding race and class and sexuality, the yin-yang of Oprah and Alan Greenspan, and perhaps no other book ever written with a sentence like, the video for Smells Like Teen Spirit was not more consequential than the reunification of Germany. Make complete sense. Chuck Klosterman has written a multi-dimensional masterpiece, a work of synthesis so smart and delightful that future historians might well refer to this entire period as Klostermanian. Again, that's The 90s by Chuck Klosterman coming from Penguin Random House in February. And of course, you'll be able to check out all the books just mentioned from the Livingston Library as soon as we get them. Well, that's it for this episode of L-Town Radio. Thanks to Archana, Hongmei, and Jessica. Thanks to you, dear listener, for tuning in. I hope you'll tune in again next month. And of course, I hope you'll come visit us here at the library. We are still open seven days a week for all your library needs. Of course, you can also access our online and digital resources through our website, livingstonlibrary.org. Don't forget to follow our blog at blog.livingstonlibrary.org. And you can follow us all over the internet on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify, where you can listen to and subscribe to this podcast. Till next time, stay safe, stay kind, and stay curious.